Hey, and our kids are heading off to Jammers and Surge, and thank you guys for being in here with us this morning for that. Tim, if you give me a thank you. Uh, well, we're looking forward to today, and I think uh, if that, we could almost go home. You know what I mean? Like, wow. But uh, we're just getting started, and we're going to spend some time together today, and uh, looking forward to that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, really glad you're here this morning for uh, what's part four in a series uh, that we're calling Prayer. And I, um, I've been talking about, um, anybody? Prayer, thank you. Uh, no, I was just wondering if, if that was clear enough for you, because I put a lot of effort into these series titles, so... Good, we got one person who made the connection between the title and the topic. That's great. Uh, but we've been talking about prayer uh, for the last few weeks. This is part four, and I hope today helps grow our prayer life because that's what we've been talking about. And I want you to, first of all, just kind of rest easy because you're like, dude, it's 1025 and he's just getting on. We're going to be here all day. We should probably get out about a regular time, okay? So just in time for a mid-afternoon snack. So, uh, no, we're going to, we know we got a picnic to do this afternoon and all that. So we're going to, we're kind of going to be on a regular timetable today. So just kind of relax. Um, we've said throughout the series that prayer is kind of a universal thing. Uh, at some point, probably everybody in this room has prayed and you prayed some kind of prayer. Um, and y- your prayer might have been, you know, hey, God, if you're really there, hey, God, if, if there really is a God, or if you really are listening, uh, if you really care, you know, we could be talking about that kind of prayer. Or maybe there was a season in your life when you prayed very regularly and it was, it was a, more than just a spiritual discipline. It was an important part of your relationship with God. It was a vital part of your relationship with your heavenly father and maybe somewhere along the line you got frustrated in prayer because I think we uh, we pretty much determined that almost all of us have been frustrated with prayer at some point and so maybe you stopped after enough frustration you were just you just stopped praying altogether for some of you prayer is something that you do pretty regularly but if you're being honest uh, you'd have to admit that most of the time it just feels like an obligation it's something you do because you're a good Christian and that's what good Christians do For some of you, prayer is an opportunity to grow deeper in your faith and in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. The very beginning of this series, we said that, uh, first of all, prayer is not a button to be pushed. And it's not a button to be pushed, it's a relationship to be pursued. And, And sadly, the longer we've been around church, the more likely you are to see prayer as a button to be pushed. Uh, it's like, okay, God, uh, we just we need to get a whole bunch of Christians to come together and to pray for this specific outcome. And if we pray the right way, and if we pray often enough, and if we pray hard enough, and I've, I've heard people say that. I don't even really know what that means. But if we pray hard enough, and I don't, but if, if we somehow can unlock the combination, we will then be able to push the button and get the outcome we're praying for. Oh, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time, it doesn't. And maybe the reason you've gotten frustrated with prayer is because uh, some of the things, some of the big things that you've prayed for haven't turned out the way that you'd hoped and prayed they would. And if you see prayer as a button to be pushed, if you see it as something that you press whenever you need something from God, if that's your approach, you are always going to be frustrated with prayer. So far in this series, we've seen that prayer is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. And perhaps the surprising element of Christianity is that this thing isn't about us getting right with God. No, listen, listen. He took the initiative to make things right with us. He provided a way back to himself in Jesus that you and I couldn't find on our own. So Christianity isn't just about us pursuing God. It's about God pursuing us. 
So for the last few weeks, we've been working through what we know as the Lord's Prayer. A couple weeks ago, we printed some little bookmarks with the Lord's Prayer printed on them because I realized that not all of us know the Lord's Prayer by heart. Not all of us know where to find it in the Bible. And sometimes we just need a little reminder or maybe depending on your church tradition, your version of it was a little bit different from somebody else's version of it. So I saw this morning there's still a few of those little bookmarks on the media table in the lobby. So take the rest of those today, help yourself to them and pick up any of the CDs from this series, any of the messages you may have missed. And of course, you can always listen online on our website and on our podcast And if you subscribe to our podcast, the messages automatically show up on your mobile device. You know how that works, right? So why not? So you want to check that out. So we've been working through the Lord's Prayer. And we've been working through it line by line. And we've said that these words, these lines are so powerful. uh, And we're so familiar with them that there's more to them than what we've reduced them to. The Lord's Prayer is an invitation And it's an invitation to so much more than just reciting a few lines in a tradition. It's an invitation to something bigger. And even if we know that to be true, at some point along the way, in our experience with prayer, we, at some point, we're going to get frustrated. So today, uh, and maybe a little bit next time as we kind of wrap up this series, we're we're going to talk about why you get frustrated. And you might even be starting to, you know, to do what we've been talking about in this series and using the Lord's Prayer as a guide in your prayer life and approaching it as an invitation to something bigger. But at some point, just know this, at some point you're going to get stuck. And and here's where you start to get frustrated. In fact, when I show you this, some of you who pray regularly are going to go, yeah, well, I've been stuck there for a long time. And if you were to audit your prayer life, you would find that you've spent a lot of your time just frustrated with a lack of resolution around this question. And maybe you used to pray, but you don't pray anymore because you get stuck and you stopped right here. So I would propose to you this morning that the most perplexing question in prayer is simply, why? Why? Why, God? Why is my relationship going the way it is? Why did my life turn out this way? Why did this person reject me? Why did this person die? Why didn't you heal this person? Why can't I ever seem to catch a break? And maybe you're stuck here and you're frustrated because you keep asking God this question and God doesn't seem to want to answer your question. And so for some of you, maybe this has been the reason that you used to pray and at some point you stopped praying because God doesn't give very good answers. It's kind of a universal thing. We all struggle with some questions and I struggle with some questions. I've struggled with some questions this week, haven't you? Since last Sunday, think back in the last seven days. We came in last Sunday morning, some breaking news. We didn't really know everything that was going on. But since last Sunday's that horrific attack on Orlando, haven't you had a few questions? I put together a list of some of my questions that I would love for God to answer, and I've reduced it to just a couple here, maybe three. These are questions that are very perplexing. And just about the time that I think I've settled into an answer, something happens, and then I need a fresh answer for that question. Uh, So there there are some big ones. We all have them. But here are three of my big ones just to put you at ease. So, okay, because it's okay to ask questions. So if you've got some lingering and nagging questions, that's okay. But here are a couple of mine. Number one for me is why do children suffer? I mean, as adults, we acknowledge we often do it to ourselves, <laughs> okay? Uh, so I get that. But kids, or, or let's say innocent people, why do innocent people suffer? I, I haven't, uh, about the time I land on an answer on that one, I, I, I need to refresh it because it's not satisfactory to me. Number two is why, God, why don't you just end sin? If sin is the answer to the previous question, or if sin is the answer to a lot of these questions, 
then why don't we just eradicate sin once and for all? If sin is a thing that's breaking down your marriage, if sin is a thing that's making the world the way it is, then, then God, why don't you just put an end to sin? And the scripture says that eventually he will. So why not now? Like, why are we waiting for? And number three, and I think this is one of the toughest, is why doesn't broccoli taste like ice cream? <laughs> I, I've wrestled with that for longer than maybe any other question. And you can insert whatever into those blanks. But I mean, seriously, it, it, to me, this is the best question ever because I have never gotten an answer for this one or anything even close. Because I'm pretty sure from the research I've done that if broccoli tasted like ice cream, I would be a lot healthier person, I'll tell you that. So that's a, it's a big one for me. Last year, we did a whole series. We did eight messages on questions that you submitted. Uh, we called it Big, Hairy, Audacious Questions. And when we don't get the answers that we think we need, we, we think God doesn't answer my prayers. Because I've been asking for an answer, and he hasn't given me an answer, so God doesn't answer my prayers. And I don't know why, because uh, he answers spiritual people's prayers. I know that. He answers the pastor's prayers. We all know that. That's why we need to send all our real prayer requests to him. And people... Um, Good, I'm glad you think that way. People who know how to pray, you know, with the right prayer language and all the right terminology and stuff, the ones that go on and on and on and say like 17 different names for God in one sentence, and I'm like, I don't want to open my mouth now because I'm just embarrassed. I'm sure he answers their prayers. And maybe the reason you stop moving forward in your faith journey, maybe the reason you're not growing right now, maybe the reason you find yourself a little stuck right now, maybe you're still on the outside looking in, I don't know, is because you're frustrated and maybe even convinced that God doesn't answer your prayers. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, there have been plenty of times when I've wondered why God doesn't answer my prayers. I think, you know, when you pray those selfless prayers, or when all you want is some kind of an answer to the why question, I mean, why isn't he answering that? Is he even listening? Maybe you've said that too. But when we say that, I think what we're really saying is that God doesn't answer my prayers my way. That's different. Because we have a way. We have a way that we want our prayers to be answered. Because we're like, God, what you need to do at my work is you need to get my boss to retire. Oh, God, please let my boss win the lottery. So we can just retire and be done with it. And then God, and, and, oh, and at work, they need to offer me a promotion, or, or better yet, the same job, but a raise would be even better. And if you'll just solve that, then I'll have a good work life. And God, what you need to do in my family is you need to change my husband and you need to change my wife and you need to change my parents and you need to change my kids. And if you could change my ex and my other ex, that'd be great. And financially, God, if we just had a little bit more money, I'm not asking for a lot. Just a little bit more money would be great. It would solve pretty much everything because I'm not asking for a lot, God. Oh, oh, and, and what's the deal, God? You're not answering my prayers my way. Because I've got a way that I think the universe should run, and if you would just run the universe my way, I don't think I'd have to come bother you with this stuff so much. So much of the time when we're frustrated with prayer, it's because God isn't answering our prayers our way. And sometimes it's frivolous, okay, we kind of laugh about it, but sometimes it's really important. I mean, sometimes someone gets really sick. And sometimes someone we love dies. And sometimes a marriage ends. And some kind, sometimes kids just walk out. And so we get disillusioned with prayer because God doesn't answer my prayers my way. And see, when prayers stop making sense and life stops making sense when two things happen. And you're probably not going to be crazy about the first one. But first of all, one of the reasons that life doesn't make sense is because 
you are not God. I think we should probably repeat that as just say, I am not God. Can we say that together? I am not God. We know this to be true, but we forget it, especially when we're praying. And especially when we're done praying and we're sitting expecting a response. We forget that we're not God. And so when we talk to God, we're like, I want an answer. We need to remember that sometimes we're not fully capable of understanding the answer that God has already provided. And it's not because you're stupid. It's, it's not because you're not spiritual enough. It's because we are not God. And God is at a different level than we are. And our comprehension is limited and tainted by sin. And even when we think that, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've been in church long enough now, I've read the Bible enough times, I should be able to perfectly understand the mind of God. We can't because we're not God. And another reason that life sometimes doesn't make sense is because God isn't done. Aren't you glad? He's not done. We think somehow he's got it just the way he wants it now. He's finished. No, God's not done. And the way I pray is I want this now. I want this answer now. By the end of the day, by the end of the week, I'll give you, okay, four days. Give me, end of the week, give me the answer, God. Your life and, and existence that we were born into is kind of like the middle of a movie. You ever been surfing through the channels and you land on a movie and it's right in the middle? You know, it's 30, 40 minutes in. And something caught your attention, so you kind of stay there, and, and you start watching it, and it's interesting, and it's engaging, but you can't quite figure it out because you don't know who's who and who's connected to who and what the relationship is there. And it could be a great story, but you're missing some of the, some of the plot line. You, can't, you just can't access it because you missed the beginning, so you don't have all the context. Oh, and you don't know how it's going to end because you're not there yet. And in life, we're like, God, I want resolution now. I want some answers now. I don't want a response now. I want you to act now. And God knows that you may have lost sight of the whole story. You may have forgotten about the events that got you to this place. And God knows for sure that you just don't know what's ahead. You don't know how much time that he has to work on this. That our timeline, it's like urgent, it's immediate. And we're impatient. But God is done and he sees the big picture. So number one, you're not God. I'm not God. Number two, God's not done. And our understanding about what God is up to when it comes to listening and answering and responding to our prayers is going to be limited by those two realities. It's just the way it is. And if you want to really shake things up, uh, you throw this into the mix. Ask yourself, do I really believe that God is good? And do I really trust him? Because a lot of us, even those of us who call ourselves Christians and have been around the church for a long time, and sometimes we wonder if God is really good. Because sometimes we look around and we aren't so sure. But if you don't believe God is good, and if you don't believe God can be trusted, that's where our faith starts to go off the tracks. Because we're like, I know I'm not God, and I know you're not done yet, but I don't know if, if you can really be trusted. So I don't trust you. Well, I trust you with most stuff, but I don't trust you with this one right here. And I don't trust you right now. The Bible is full of passages that demonstrate for us that God can be trusted. But surprisingly in the scripture, God doesn't always answer, doesn't often answer the why question. And when he does, he doesn't answer it with a what. See, that's what we're looking for. 
you know, why did he die so young? Why is she so sick? Why is this relationship so difficult? Oh, because of this or because of that. That's what we're looking for. But I'm not sure that that would even satisfy us. But we still think we want the what when we ask why, and that's just not how God answers. He doesn't answer why with a what, but he answers it with a who. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, what we want is an answer, but what we need is a person. We want an answer. God, tell me, explain it, explain it. Give me the diagram. I want to see the whole deal and how it's all going to play out. When what we need is a person. So we've been working through the Lord's Prayer. We're almost at the end, and we're probably going to wrap it up next time. But remember last time, we barely had uh, enough room in there to get our list in. Remember that? And we were kind of talking through the Lord's Prayer. And like, I want, where do I get to have, where's my shopping list thing? Like, where do I get to talk about what I need and what I want and, and my desires? And then right uh, as soon as we just it's like a blip and then Jesus is right on to confession and forgiveness of people who've wronged me. So just for sake of review and so not to assume that everybody knows what we're talking about, let's read these verses in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 9. Uh, Matthew 6 this is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And last time we were in these verses in 11 and 12. Give us today our daily bread. And we didn't seem to spend a very long time on that one, and we jumped right to this. And I used the New Living Translation for verse 12. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. So that's where we've been. If you've missed any of these, really seriously, I encourage you to pick up the CDs or check it out online and get caught up. But that's where we've been. Here's where Jesus takes us now. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or your Bible might say the evil one. And in the Protestant tradition, we added this, that this might be what you're familiar with. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, which begs the question, does God lead us into temptation? We could debate that for a few hours, and maybe if you want to, at the picnic later, I'll be sitting around, and maybe one of the tables in the far end, and you can come, we can have a little debate about whether God leads us into temptation, and how all that works in light of, never mind, no, we're not. And, but you look at what all the theological scholars have to say, and they are commentaries, but the simple answer is this, the simple answer is this, that God doesn't tempt us, but you probably will be led into temptation. Or, or say it this way. Temptation will find you. Oh, okay, yeah, we can get our minds around that. You may have been tempted already today. I'd like to get some details on that, actually. I've been tempted already today. I'm tempted almost every Sunday before church even starts. You know, we're 10 minutes from starting the service, and we're still trying to make sure everyone who's supposed to be somewhere to show up to serve has shown up and ready to go. And, of course, the computer isn't working right, and it's too cold in here to turn up the heat, and there's an issue with the microphone, and that quit working, and someone decided to insert a song into the set at the last minute, and the band's never heard it before, and it's too hot in here to turn on the fans. And while the three-minute countdown is running, someone wants to talk to me about, you know, whatever kind of big life issue. And I'm tempted to be rude, and I'm tempted to set people aside for the sake of a slick programming package, and for the sake of technology, and for the sake of my agenda. And that's just how my morning goes on Sundays. But I don't know how this works for you. Um, but when you're tempted, do you turn to God? Because for most of us, the answer is not usually 
But Jesus says, Father, take us out of temptation. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Remember how he started? He said, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And now we're right back here with yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We're right back to a person. Because Jesus knows that what we want is an answer, but what we need is a person. And God has given us the person, and his name is Jesus. And if that's unsatisfactory, I'm asking for a little grace here. Because when you really let it sink in, I think you'll find that it's a lot more profound answer than it initially sounds like. Initially sounds like the answer you give in fourth grade Sunday school class. But see, we have a person And his name is Jesus, and he's with us. And if we invite him to be the Lord of our life, the center of our life, and let everything revolve around him and his agenda and his will, his Holy Spirit lives in us. And in light of that, it changes the way that we pray. And it changes the way that we approach prayer. And it will change the expectation of prayer. As we look through the scriptures at at other places, uh, especially throughout the New Testament, where we get some instructions on prayer, some tips, some hot tips, some guidelines, uh, there's a couple things we find. I want to give you a real short list. Number one is express desires, not demands. Express desires, not demands. Because if you treat prayer like a button to be pushed... Uh, It's going to lead to a lot of frustration. Instead of telling God how to run the universe or even how to run your world, uh, come to him instead in humility with an awareness of who he is and who you are and acknowledge that, God, you are higher than I am. You think differently than I do. You see things differently. You have complete information. You're God. I'm not. This is my heart's desire. Secondly, and Jesus modeled, modeled this, pray not my will, but your will. And Jesus, about 24 hours before his death, he's praying. And he's, here's the thing, like Jesus has seen crucifixions. And he knew it was a horrible way to die. And Jesus knew it would be his fate in about 24 hours. And and remember, he was fully human as well as fully divine. And he's on his face before God, sweating blood and praying, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, even if there's any other way for me to die but this way, I'll take that. But not my will, your will be done in my life. And that's a great prayer for us to pray, to say, not my will, your will. And that's, that's one step, but it's a big one. I guess the next step after that is, now what is your will? And uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten hung up on that one or not, um, but that's another sermon series for another day. Next, next point here is focus on the giver, not the gift. I don't know about you, but I get mesmerized by the gift. So here's a question for all of us. Do we love what God gives us? God, please give me a better car. Uh, Give me a a better house. Give me a better job. Give me a better spouse. Give me a better this. Give me a better that. Do Do you love what he gives you? Or do you love God? This is a question for all the Christians in the room. Do you love what God gives you? Or do you love God? Because there's a difference. And if you really want to grow, and if you really want to wrestle with this, I challenge you to read the book of Job. It's, in the, it's kind of a long book in the middle of the Old Testament, so it's a commitment to read it. But as you're reading, if you ask, do I love God or do I love what he gives me? I mean, it's a tough question, and uh, it's a tough answer to face up to. 
Because when we focus on what God gives us, we often miss God. Because what we want is an answer, but what we need is a person. And God provided the answer for us in the person of his son, Jesus. And when we accept him for who he is and for what he's done on our behalf, and when we invite him into our life, and when we lean into him for our salvation, and when we choose to follow him, and when we acknowledge him as our friends who are baptized today, as our Savior and Lord, we will find him to be all the answers that we need. Here's what we're going to do for a few minutes. Because I'm done. We're going to pray. And since we talked about confession a couple weeks ago, we're going to pair up and we're going to confess our sins and tell them what you did last night to start with. I'm just kidding. Chill out. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... You dodged one there, didn't you? I'm just kidding. But we are going to take some time to pray. And what I want to do is I just want to create some space right here for the next few minutes. And, and I hope that these next few minutes can be a, just a little tiny little window into what prayer can be for all of us. Maybe these next few minutes could be a time for you to reconnect. Maybe there was something in one of the stories you saw in the videos during the baptism that resonated with you and you can identify with that and you're like, ooh, that's where I am. Maybe this will be a time to come to, back to God in prayer to give it, just to give him an honest opportunity to, to reconnect in prayer. And I'm not going to fill it up with my words, but in the silence, in this space, we're just going to, we're going to spend some time with God to pray silently, quietly in your heart and maybe, maybe just sit in silence. Let your mind be quiet and let God show himself to you in that. Um, and just before we do that, before I let you have some time to pray, I want to pray for us. So if you would join me, let's pray together. Father in heaven, you're the creator of the universe. We are humbled by your invitation to approach you as Father. Sometimes it's hard for us to accept that you really want to relate to us in such an intimate way. Today we profess that we believe that you are good. Help us to trust in your goodness. Because we confess that we've often approached prayer as a button to be pushed. God, I pray that you would lead us to approach prayer as a relationship to be pursued. And we bring our desires to you. And in the silence over these next few minutes, we just want to bring these things that are close to us. And in doing so, we want to surrender them to you. We're asking that your will be done in our lives. Confess our sins to you. We're grateful that you are faithful to forgive us. Show us where we need forgiveness. And show us, Father, where we need to forgive and give us the courage and the humility to do just that. And we declare that your name is great. It's worthy to be praised. And yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. For these next few minutes, if you can make an effort to stay in this room, let's not let ourselves be distracted or create a distraction. Let's stay right here for a few minutes. 
You'll be able to get up and move around as soon as the band starts to play in just a few minutes. But for right now, let's spend a few minutes right here in this room, just silently in prayer. Let's pray.